Hello Chitheads and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky and tonight I'm joined by Tristan. And it's just us two because... Dave cowed out, he was too tired, he had to yeah. go home. It was an exhausting game of, well, I won't spoil what we played until you introduce it. Oh, build up the excitement. <laughs> build up the anticipation. Okay, it's a bit of a milestone for us this week because I've been looking at some stats and facts online and I've discovered that across all the medias, we've had about 3,000 listens to Board Chitless podcasts. So poor Paul, Nick and Giles have had to listen to this podcast about a thousand times each <laughs> just to keep us afloat. So uh, thanks very much, guys. <laughs> thanks for hitting that refresh button quite quite aggressively. Um, but the great thing about it is we've actually managed to turn some heads. So we've picked up some sponsorship this week from the good people at Game Steward. So what is Game Steward all about, Tristan? Uh, it's funny you should ask because uh, the Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Game Steward have a really cool model where they get hold of um, out of print, rare and Kickstarter games in case you miss them. You can catch them up through, through Game Steward at reasonable prices. So it's a cool, quite unique niche that they fill in the gaming market and they've done really well out of it. They're growing at a pace and it's cool to have people like that listen out for us you know and get on board and get involved and want to get in uh, into board chitless with us so this week we've been playing apocrypha and shadow run crossfire sweet so let's uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast is an adventure card game for one to six players created by the same people that created the Pathfinder adventure card game. So there's a few similarities there, but then they've kind of gone to town in adding complexity to the game. And that sounds like a bit of understatement, really, because it's a bit of a brain melter at first. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit further. But you're basically adventuring around a world inhabited by monsters. Um, it's on the brink of the apocalypse. The whole idea is that monsters always existed, but we just kind of like closed our eyes, shut our eyes and went, la, 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 this isn't happening. <laughs> and they've got a bit upset. Um, they, each player is, plays a different character with a unique set of abilities and you just go around exploring, investigating, trying to pick up loot and basically fighting evil wherever you find it. Um, Tristan, how did you find the game? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting take on Pathfinder, adventure card game, which um, I, I quite enjoyed. I see the simplicity in it and um, I see the sort of criticisms that people made about it. The last time we tried to play Pathfinder as a, as a big group, when there was five of us, it's sort of petered out into separate conversations and people sort of soloing their turns. And uh, I think this Apocrypha goes somewhere towards addressing that by making it impossible to take a turn without help from somebody else. <laughs> Not quite, but like it's really useful to help each other out and assist in other people's goes. And the, the way that you're sat around the table matters because... Some of your cards can affect the people on your left. Some of them affect the people on the right. Some people, some of your cards affect the people opposite you. So it's quite quite strange. There's sort of a seating uh, order meta to the game, and also the complexity of the cards is is definitely amped up. There's a whole different uh, way of dealing with cards now. Whereas with Pathfinder, you just play your sword down and you roll three dice, and you know you hit the goblin. I think there's definitely a steep learning curve into getting into the new theme of apocrypha because 
at a glance, when you're playing a short sword in Pathfinder, you can see that a plus one short sword is instantly better. Whereas in Apocrypha, there's a lot of card text on each card to sort of read. So you might have a a Holy Bible in your hand, but then you're looking, is this baseball bat better than the Holy Bible kind of thing? And then there's lots of sort of situational card effects where you can help people and there goes. And um, that sort of detailed text level complexity is much harder, I'd say, to get into than it is to sort of go, yes, I've got a fireball instead of a magic missile kind of thing. So there's definitely a huge learning curve and there's a lot of extra rules complexity um, piled in. Do you think it's to the game's benefit, Lucky? I think it is, yeah. There's a lot of shorthand involved, so there's a lot of these like cryptic symbols everywhere, which is really kind of overwhelming and a bit daunting at first. And so you'll get an arrow that points down, which means whenever you're in play or an arrow that points in um, like left, up and right, which means of everyone but you can use it as long as you're in the same location. And I felt that that was, that kind of put me off at first because I thought, well, most of my weapons are useless or I can only use them for me, but they do inspire a lot of conversation around the table. And as after about two turns, we've got a good idea of which effects worked in what part of the game. And then you're kind of like waiting for someone to come up and say, right, I'm going to attack him with a rage. And all of a sudden you can throw in like a, you know, a, a, a murder board <laughs> a, a plank surrounded by uh, barbed wire just to help out and I really liked it some of the cards when you assist somebody go back into your discard but some of them go into theirs which adds this extra layer of selfishness of oh, do I really want to help them now or do I want to hold on to it <laughs> it goes back into card. my yeah. deck yeah it kind of gives you some interesting choices what I did like about the text on the cards is it's really informative. You've got all this shorthand with the symbols, but then the flavor text is hilarious. It's really on point with the tone and the theme of the game. The artwork backs it up as well. And I've quite found that the weapons are quite well balanced. A lot of the starter weapons had similar effects to a lot of the more advanced weapons, which means you weren't forsaken them immediately for better loot that you've picked up. But then the loot that you really struggle to get into your hand has these incredible effects, which you can use to assist somebody, but then you have to sacrifice the card and throw it back into the box rather than just discard it. Or you might be able to do something that's not as cool and put it, reload it so it goes back into your deck but at the bottom. So I felt like there wasn't ever really a turn where I wasn't trying to make an interesting choice, even when it was someone else's turn. I really enjoyed it, although the first few turns were just horrible. <laughs> just trying <laughs> to get your head around it. The first two or three turns probably took as long as the following 20 or 30 turns. <laughs> yes, definitely. It was that big of a, a steep curve. So like, what on earth am I doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And what's he doing? <laughs> and then once we sort of processed that, I think by the end of it, we were sort of rattling through the turns a lot faster. Um, that definitely frightened me a little bit at first because I was like, wow, you know, I should be able to process this having mm. played pathfinder and if we hadn't have played pathfinder first i think it would have been mind-boggling trying to get yeah. our heads around the various things that you can do with your deck like if you reload a card that means you put it on top of your deck if you recycle a card that means you put it on the bottom of your deck yeah you sacrifice a card it goes to the box you discard a card it goes into your discard <laughs> pile you heal a card yeah. it shuffles back into the so there's like there's a ton of different things that you can do with the cards and with your deck and stuff and i think yeah. with experience you'll really appreciate that you can do all these different things. Um, I think you would definitely benefit from having played Pathfinder first so that you process the sort of basic um, understanding of the mechanics and everything. 
Otherwise, I could see that as a potential barrier towards exploring the theme of the game because even as somebody who had played Pathfinder, yeah, I did struggle with the theme. I did at the first few turns. I was like, "What on earth is actually happening right now?" You know. Yeah. Um, and then once you sort of process that a bit more and you've got the mechanics down and you know your deck is your health and things like this, then you you can sort of start to focus a little bit more on the narrative. Um, bearing in mind, of course, this is the first play of a game that's designed to be played 20 30 40 yeah it's a huge campaign 50 game. times over a, like yeah a huge epic sweeping campaign so we didn't even really get to do the the funnest thing about these kinds of games certainly about pathfinder which is tinkering with your deck at the end of the game you know to yeah. see what what cool loot you've added well, that's it. You get your um, your fleeted shards and your like forever shards, don't you? Yeah, like memories, aren't they, for your character or something? That- yeah, and they add uh, additional buffs that you can use to like help people out or towards you. Um, it does feel very much like Pathfinder two point But like, you know, kudos to the guys at Lone Shark Games for not actually creating more Pathfinder content. Um, Pathfinder's got loads of expansions, loads of big boxes. There's the tablet games as well, the apps. And I feel like if they'd just released more Pathfinder with this new rule set, I don't think we would have really given it the time of day. I think we right. just kind of felt, well, you know, they just kind of... That's played itself it. out. Sort of. I think so, a little bit. Um, so it's great to see a new setting, new theme, new stories. Um, it was like coming through the storybook at the beginning, trying to see the backstory, and they've created a whole new world. There's all these different monsters. It feels a little bit Lovecraftian, but without being so Lovecraftian that you're again bored of it from the beginning. And it, it's very much the start of a new adventure. I'm really excited to see where it pans out, how the characters interact, how the tableaus of the shards all interact with each other. Um, like you alluded to before with the where your um, symbols for your buffs are on the card. So like your body might be at the top, your mind to the right, rage to the left. Um, if someone's to your left at the table, then you can assist them as long as your your symbols are matching. Yeah. So our like body symbols were opposite each other, so we could assist on that. And then mine and Dave's mind symbols were both to the right and left of each other. So it sounds horribly complicated <laughs> on the podcast. So you need to watch a video of this probably. Um, but it's just this quite elegant yet really um, so uh, it's, a, it's a very simple but effective way of balancing who will support who for what really, right. rather than just throwing a card at them. And I felt that helps quite a lot because you've constantly got to juggle who's going to sit where and how you're all going to interact with each other during the various phases. And I think there's only going to be more of that coming on as we get more and more shards. Yeah, I could do with processing a few more games before I even blow my mind with all that stuff. There's the other thing to talk about as well, the assist mechanic where you can have one other person assist you on a a specific test, like if you're doing a fight test or a mind or spirit test. Yeah, they refer to it as support, don't they? Support. There's a lot of terminology, yeah. um, But then what happens is if somebody assists you, the monsters don't like it, so they mutate. Mm -hmm. So you roll on a mutation card and then that does something else which can either screw you over or help you out a little bit and it adds again another sort of mechanic but also variety to what's going on so there really is quite a lot to sort of juggle in your head yeah at any given point for um an otherwise quite simplistic card game um yeah it really has that risk reward sort of process doesn't it it's like whatever you want to do you always feel like you're almost pushing it a bit too far yeah pushing the look exactly yeah yeah, yeah. 
No, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I, I do want to see where it goes. Um, I, I, I question whether or not we, as our group, would commit to the full 20 or 30 adventures required to finish the campaign. But uh, let's see if that pans out. Nice. Yeah, we'll uh, maybe we'll get a short update in the future about where the campaign's going. Okay, so the second game that we played this evening was Shadowrun Crossfire. Tristan, can you just let us know what the game involves? Yep, Shadowrun Crossfire is another campaign adventure game. It's a cooperative deck building game for two to four players. Uh, you can play it solo if you run a, have a few runners and it's set in a Shadowrun universe of elves, dwarves, all the fantasy races and everything in a cyberpunk future with magic and hacking and guns and robots and everything. Um, it's a strange game and it's got a re- it's based on a really cool theme. Mechanically, uh, the, th- the theme is sort of abstracted to quite a... a, a a, a huge step it's color matching your symbol matching yeah. against obstacles that you come across so you a bunch of heroes on a mission um in a crossfire mission usually it starts off with you've done the mission and now you're trying to get out but everything's gone wrong yeah. so you've got a load of uh, bad guys coming at you and they can take the form of all kinds of different characters creatures monsters robots and everything else um you start off with nothing in your deck you got like seven puny cards uh, you're going to get rinsed in the first couple of rounds whilst you try and build up your deck. So each time you take out some bad guys, you get some cash, some new yen. You spend this new yen to increase your deck by adding cards to your deck from the black market, the shared pool of cards and following the classic sort of deck building formula. Yep. But the cards go straight into your hand so you can use them straight away on your next turn to to wipe out the guys that you're fighting against. Um, we I should probably clarify that the the characters we played with my characters got like 50 karma so yeah they were well into the campaign weren't they yeah they they're plenty upgraded they got like three stickers each so you 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 play this game you very slowly earn karma and when you get enough karma it's like after five or ten games you can add a sticker to your character which should be something very basic like one extra health which actually has a huge knock-on effect for future games so for you coming into the game fresh it was Mm -hmm actually not that much different than it is in the basic game but you don't get to experience that whole oh cool i've leveled up my character i've added this sticker down so um but with that aside that the mechanics don't change too much you're just growing in power so that you can increase the uh the adventures that you're playing at the scenarios you're playing against you can increase their difficulty to match your characters so one of the things leveled against this game is it's huge difficulty so the caveat being that you came in and we had the stickers, we already had these leveled up characters. We tackled the scenario pretty easily, we did, would you say? We did say? pretty well, yeah. We yeah. we ended up with about three health each, didn't we? But yeah. we managed to keep it there. And we played one of the, I can't think of a better way to phrase it, but it's probably like a vanilla scenario. Yeah, like, the standard add, Shadow yeah. on Crossfire scenario. Yeah. yeah, so we didn't add any of the extra, like, if add more enemies to get more karma at the end of it, which would have made it a billion times more difficult. Yeah, so that that definitely brought the difficulty down quite substantially because um, I didn't want to overwhelm you with <laughs> this is an impossible game on your first playthrough. Um, but yeah, it's sort of a, it's a deck builder. The scenarios play pretty quickly, I'd say well under an hour for each one. What were your impressions having played quite a few deck builders previously? Impressions were pretty good. There was nothing that made it stand out too much except for the... Um, D&D style theming so cyberpunk but 
with orcs, with dwarves, with elves. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. There's a lot of fun to be had. They are oh, amazing. The way that the story kind of like panned out was we kept getting hit by, you know, various droogs or we're trying to make our escape. We've just kept buying like bigger and better guns. Yeah, they did an awful lot of hacking, which felt quite cool. Yeah. Um, trying to bring into people's guns. One, You've got one of the cards to hack the world, which just put everything into meltdown. And then you got to play that card as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was lovely. We got to pull it out of your discard and um, get get it used all over again which was nice yeah um and the final um enemy that was out on the table the final obstacle was a trashed car <laughs> so it was like we were out hiding behind this old van and we killed everyone but not quite realized and continued to murder the dead chunk the of metal yeah which, which i thought is um it's quite fun for like a clueless sort of uh, criminal gang running around it fits the bill quite well yeah, that, that's from the expansion, which I should probably add, is we have got the uh, High Caliber Ops expansion shuffled in. And there are some um, give me a break cards like that, which aren't quite as difficult. I see. It was just kind of like me throughout the... Yeah, it, it, like the, the initial game is very difficult. The expansion cards sort of... I don't know if they scale it really. You is get it? a lot of easy cards in there, but you get a lot of really difficult cards. And that one particularly yeah. comes in with um, other bad guys. Cool. Uh, luckily, we were able to tackle the other bad guys first. So it, it, you draw that and you draw another one to go with it. Yep. So normally that can be quite brutal because um, it's in addition to everything else. But yeah, by the time we'd taken all the other stuff out, it was just a case of taking pot shots at the car until it exploded <laughs> and we could clear off. Yeah, I, did, I really like the way that you rewarded for action. So a lot of bigger scale enemies came out that were worth like 11 gold or uh, union sorry yeah and we'd kill them split the pot between us and we it meant we could keep buying cards so i think there was only about two or three turns where we didn't buy anything yep and usually that's because we chose to hold on to it until something better came along so that felt really nice because normally with deck builders i find myself just in abject poverty for about <laughs> half the game and then we really reluctantly buying a couple of cards to just make sure that I can keep cycling through cards. So that was that was a bit different. That made it a lot more fun. I think one of the things as well that this does really well is because you start off with such a teeny deck, you have seven cards, you're not laden down with too much crap. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of deck builders start you off with weaknesses or, or negative cards that you have to pair down. Yeah. Now, the low-cost cards in this game, like the basic cards, they are rubbish, but they're still doing one point of damage. So you always feel like you're doing something, and that's a trick that... I feel like a lot of deck builders miss is to make you feel every turn that you're mm. doing something, you're contributing. Because there's nothing worse than having a go in a game like this where you're just like, oh, well, I can't do anything. Your turn, you know. Yeah. And and in this game, you're always, usually, you know, 99% of the time, you're able to at least do one level of damage to a bad guy. So you always feel like you're ticking along, you're doing stuff. Um, And I, I like that. And it also plays really quickly. Yeah. Because you're not, you don't really reshuffle your deck that often. Because you're buying all the stuff from the black market, you get about two or three reshuffles the whole game. Whereas a lot of other deck builders, you're constantly building and building your deck and reshuffling and reshuffling and reshuffling. And um, so this way, you there's a there's a sharp, uh, steep curve where you start getting those really cool big cards into your deck fast. Yeah, and kicking ass with them. Yeah, the, um, the game doesn't loiter, does it? It moves like quite a clip. A clip, yeah. Yeah, and it's got those crossfire cards. So every turn. At the start of the round, you draw a crossfire event and it can, sometimes it's quite innocuous. Sometimes it will bone you. <laughs> um, and if you've already got a few crossfire cards in the discard pile, it will level up as well. So the crossfire cards themselves get harder the longer you're 
playing the game. So even if yep. we just stuck around shooting that car wreck indefinitely, we might have got taken out by the crossfire cards. Yeah, I did um, going back like with the obstacles as well. A lot of deck builders, uh, there'll be an enemy or uh, something that you need to do, and it'll be like, right, you need nine VP for this, or you need six um, damage off a particular color. Crossfire mixes it right up, so yeah. you'll need like one blue card and then four regular cards, then another blue card, then a red, and you have to play them in sequential order in order to do that damage. So you end up having to um, mulligan a couple of cards and then throw some down, assist your friend, and just make sure that between you, you can hit those big hits quite quickly yeah. and wipe them. And I really like that because it kept you involved every round. You're constantly thinking of the next steps and what next turn's going to bring. And you have to be looking after your your other guys. You know, like yeah. if I've got a card that's doing one damage to me, I'm going to take the hit off that if it's just like a regular elf dude. But if you've got a big dude who's doing two or three damage to you, yeah. we both need to concentrate on him to take him out. So even though I might be able to kill my guy and get the new yen that gives us the, you know, the level up faster, yeah. I'm still going to be coming after yours to make sure that you don't get staggered. Because if you go down, I'm going down two seconds later. You know, it's like a domino effect once exactly. one of the players is down. So you really need to yeah be aware of what's going on, on your side of the table. The assist cards help out as well. Yep. So they've got different effects. Like if they played on your turn, you might heal. But if you play on the other guy's turn, you can stop one of their guys from attacking and do damage to it. So there's a lot of cool little combos that you can get from the cards. And you're always wanting to buy something. But like you mentioned earlier, you sometimes like, well, you know what? I'm going to hold yeah. back and go for the hack the world. Or what was <laughs> one you got? Hero move or something. Hero move is amazing. Yeah. So two damage and two face damage, two red damage. Yeah. So like four damage plus everyone draws a card. Oh yeah. yeah. I can't forget that little so, chestnut as well. So they're really cool, like little effects that yeah. you can get from. And there's, there's plenty of those assist cards as well. They're not like, you know, you're not waiting um, for your friends to buy all the good cards to get and versus cards come out or yeah. for it, like you're getting free cards from the market quite quickly i feel like the game's really well balanced for that there's a lot going on at the time but like you're not really hanging around as well it's quite a fun game as a massive fantasy nut i can't <laughs> wait for the D themed dragon fire uh that's coming out which is basically the same game but in the dungeons and dragons world so Already pre-ordered that bad boy. Can't wait for that to turn so, off. So uh, crossbows and broadswords. So. Exactly. Instead of shotguns and sniper rifles. <laughs> cool. Well, um, those are the two games today. Apocrypha and Shadowrun Crossfire. Um, you should definitely check them both out. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week for more. More jealous. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>